Hey again, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. He's back. That's me. Jimmy, how are you today? Good, good, good. Been a little busy this week. I had to uh, fight for justice a few times. Had uh, multiple court appearances Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Really plays a uh, heck with the schedule. And uh, today was a full work day, but I had no court, so it felt like a day off, even though I've been working hard. So, uh, yeah, I'm back, and uh, I'm ready to be locked on Bama. Should you say that you're fighting justice if you're a fighting lawyer? For justice. Fighting for justice. Okay, yeah, my, my, that sounds like fighting. a very weird approach. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes, hey, hey, when you're on the low end of one of these cases, I do a lot of divorce work. When you got the bad guy, you are fighting justice. You're like, oh, boy, I hope this doesn't go fairly, because if so, my guy is screwed. Well, hey, let me tell you something. You you know this. I mean, as a as a divorce attorney, in some cases, uh, have you seen Marriage Story on Netflix? I have not. I'm dying to see it. I have not seen it. I can't wait to see it. Partly because I'm just a fan of movies, and I, I know the acting in it is going to be superb. I'm a huge fan of of Adam Driver and Alan Alda, and Laura Dern, and all these great actors that are in it. But I'm also eager to see a movie that's really about the divorce lawyer side of it. Laura Dern has already won major awards for her acting as a divorce lawyer in it. And I'm sure I've kind of joked already. I'm going to feel when I watch that movie, I'm sure it's going to feel a little bit like a doctor who watches Grey's Anatomy that goes, yeah, this is entertaining, but that's not at all how that works. You know, so I'm sure it'll yeah. be that. Yeah. And I'll annoy that hell out of my yeah. wife, you know, but I'm looking forward to it. First of all, nobody divorces Scarlett Johansson. They hang on to her like a hair in a biscuit. Um, but now, you know, having gone through a divorce myself, I can tell you, it does evoke some emotion and having kids that, uh, you know, you, you, that are factored in it, it really does. Now, again, we all have always have to take Hollywood with a grain of salt because Scarlett Johansson is incredibly good looking, no matter she's got this sort of short Bob haircut and it's still great. And there is a scene where she's walking with some other people and you see, and like that, for whatever reason, they do a shot from the side. You see how incredibly short she is. She, she yeah. must be five, two. I mean, she is really short, but anyway, um, good movie. I highly recommend it just cause you're a divorce attorney, but you know, the show that everybody should have watched last night was Alabama against Vanderbilt. Alabama gets a big, uh, what, 19-point win last night on the road at Memorial Coliseum, a place that has not been very friendly to us in the past, although we have beaten Vandy three straight times now. Um, Javion Davis was hurt. Many people probably know he's already treated out that, hey, look, I'm fine. I'll be okay. Don't worry about me. I'm all good. Uh, but for a moment there, it did seem like the curse of Alabama basketball lived on. Yeah, if you'd have told me before the game, and I was able to watch it, yeah, if you'd have told me before the game, Jimmy, Javion's going to hurt his knee, and we're going to turn the ball over 25 times. I would have thrown a temper tantrum, probably thrown my bottle of beer, hopefully not in the general direction of something I own that would break. I would have been, I, I would have gone out there, Javion hurts his knee, and we turn it over 25 times. I would have known that, that, that we lost. And we, not only did we not lose, we turned it over 25 times and won by 19. That is incredible. And this this is why, because a lot of fans, I, I don't know how many fans accept this, but this is a fact. This is college sports. 
football, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter the sports, college, your team is not going to play its best every night out. They're just not. I don't care if you're Duke. I don't care if you're Indiana, Kansas, Arizona, Baylor, uh, you know, a Butler, Dayton, whoever the hell is good this year. You're not going to play your best every time out. Sometimes you're going to go out and play bad. It's college kids. It happens. When, when you can win on the road, when you play bad, you're a good team. That's a fact. You're a good team. You're a team that's learning to win games. You're, you're And I know Vandy's bad. Let, let's just face it. Vandy is pretty bad. They're the worst team in the SEC. That's a fact. But the worst team in the SEC doesn't mean they're the worst team in college basketball. Oh, to the contrary. They're probably somewhere right in the middle of all of college basketball, even when you're the worst team in the SEC. So just saying, I, I am really impressed by the fact that we played bad and won easily. And that is impressive. Not the way we played, but just that we can win playing badly. That's the sign of a good team. Because sometimes, Luke, uh, Duke goes out there and doesn't play good at all for Duke, but they usually still win. And that's because it's it's in their DNA. And I think Nate Oates is, uh, is getting there with us. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And that's uh, considering that this team also – here's the other thing. I thought coming out of the break um, – Alabama didn't play great because that's kind of what they've been doing, but they bad badly as they've been playing. They played a little better, and then they were able to get a run going pretty quickly after you know after their initial little lull. Even though they did it, I think Shackelford did a three on our first possession after the break, and then we went into a little lull, and then we came back from that and really stretched the lead out to a point where they couldn't come back from it, and that's something different too. And that's something they've been doing. Um, you know, they've been flirting with giving up leads to Auburn, and they flirted with it uh, against Missouri. But they were able to pull away late. And, and Vandy, on the road, I know, they able to do it uh, much more quickly. And it was it stayed a 10-point-plus differential the rest of the game. And that showed that a lot of sign of maturity to me. Yeah, exactly. And John Petty – Played really well again, and uh, I, I hope that Locked on Bama turns into, uh, you know, uh, three, four times a week where the show is basically us just singing the praises of John Petty. I love the guy. I love him more and more all the time. I love watching him play. I love his swag. I love what he brings to us, and and I love him for all sorts of reasons. I can probably come up with a new reason every podcast, but, uh, you know, he's starting to remind me of, and, and this is crazy because you're going to say, oh, he reminds you of him because he's nothing like him. But uh, but but here here, give me a second to explain in my own shitty way the best I can. He is, I know those words, but that sentence made no sense. No, and this is and the comparison is going to make no sense because you're going to go what? He is starting to remind me of Rod Grizzard, and 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 this is why. First of all, they were both extremely highly recruited Birmingham guys. Uh, they're both roughly the same position. Tall for the college game, wing players with long arms that uh, are athletic enough or, or long enough to maybe see some time at the four, but can never handle the ball enough to play the one. They're twos or threes at the college level and sort of long for twos and threes at the college level. And again, both from Birmingham, both with, uh, and again, I, I'm not professing to know the kids personally. I just know 
some things from inside the program here and there. Let's just say that I think it's fair to say that at times in their careers, both Grizzard and Petty have been difficult to reach, difficult to coach. They wanted to do things their own way. They were the most talented kids in high school by far, far and away. And, and it was kind of tough to reach them to get them to play the way the coach wanted them to play. Well, Petty ha- has now gotten to a point that I don't know that Grizzard ever got to because I think Petty is now playing the way his coach wants him to. I don't know that Grizzard ever did. Although I will say that when Grizzard was really good, he was just freaking good and could carry the team, even if he was pissing off the coach. Uh, Petty is now being a little more coachable. But in so many ways, he reminds me of Grizzard. And I guess that's because that even though, to some extent, they're the coaching bad boy, uh, it's they're fun to watch. And it makes the game more fun to watch. And I rooted for Grizzard, even though he was you know, reputedly a difficult kid. I, I rooted for him. I, and I, I've rooted for Petty. And I couldn't be happier that things are working out for him, even to the point where I don't know if it'll be a cup of coffee or 10 years, but the kid's going to get a shot at the NBA. And, and I'm excited about that. Is he going to get a shot next year, I guess, is the question everybody's about to start asking. He would be making such a big mistake. I mean, I, to me, it's a big mistake. Dude, you are lucky to be this far. You're lucky you got this far. And if you come out now, you're not a first-round pick. He's not going to be taken in the first round. Now, maybe he's taken in the second round, maybe. And that's enough for a lot of kids to come out. But, dude, second-round picks, only half of them ever make the team. And when you're cut, you're cut. Your money's not guaranteed. Come back and give yourself a chance to prove you're a first-round pick. I mean, that's the easy advice here. Don't just give up on the NBA and go to Europe. Dude, you can play in the NBA if you keep improving and turning into this blue-collar kid that the NBA loves. There is a role for the blue-collar kid in the NBA. You ain't going, Petty, you ain't going to the NBA and impressing the hell out of them with your talent. You're not. They're all talented. Most of them more talented than you. But you can earn or win a role as a blue-collar player, the perimeter player that rebounds, the perimeter player that plays defense, the perimeter guy with long arms. You can, but you've got to get better at what you're not good at, and it would start with ball handling. I know you're not going to be a point guard in the NBA, but it's the NBA. They expect you to be able to dribble and pass without turning the ball over. And in the NBA, you're playing against super elite athletes, not Vanderbilt, super elite athletes. You're playing against five Colin Sextons every night. They will pick off your bad passes and they will steal the ball in your high mishandled dribbles. So work on the ball handling, work on the passing, work on the deficiencies. And yeah, maybe you play in the NBA. And if you told me a year ago, John Petty would play in the NBA, I would laugh in your face. I mean, I do love it, though, and I'm I'm totally with you. That is the thing. Rod Grizzard did do this to me as well, Um, and I agree with you. That's not a far-fetched comparison except for the fact that, you know, Grizzard was a little taller, a little lankier, um, and a lot balder. But um, it's funny to me that you, you know, you you spend two minutes. Man, I'm beginning to love Tom Petty. I'm beginning to fall in love with him. In fact, if I saw him on Tinder, I would at least – you know, send him a heart emoji or something. But then you go, you know, you, you come up with this other side of it. You're like, oh, that'd be the biggest mistake. You mishandling, ball dribbling, 
<laughs> we'd be so mad. You could tell I ran it. We'd both be so mad because we care. We care. No, That's you, why we'd be right. mad. I mean, we would be mad. It's the same way that I jumped my daughter, my, my three-year-old daughter last night. She's on the potty. And I mean, a lot of people don't know, but she's like, when she was born, you know, I don't know if I ever told you the story. This, my three-year-old, when she was born, they ended up having to do a C-section, kind of an emergency one, because um, my wife wanted to have like a natural childbirth and whatever. I didn't understand it, but she wanted to. And so she, we kept waiting. We waited a little bit longer. And finally, the doctor said, you know, we can't tell if anything's going on, but I mean, it's starting to get, starting to worry us. So we said, all right, let's go get her. So they go get her. The umbilical cord was wrapped around Sela's neck five times. And the doctor Holy had no crap. idea because they they had no they couldn't see it on that two doctors in there and both of them said we've never seen it wrapped around a baby's neck more than three times before and so it was really wild but and this had this had nothing to do with anything i just like that story but she um she also has some kind of uh, like a gut issue and it's very hard for her to uh go number two well i mean like really hard so when we put her on the potty you know, she got to sit there for a while sometimes. Well, she was sitting there and, you know, she's like the rest of us. She, now she can sit on the pot and have an iPad. So she's sitting on the pot with her iPad and um, like she's watching something. She just has nervous tics like me and she like puts her finger in a sort of chew on the nail or something. I said, see, you know, don't, don't chew on your finger. Why you, especially not while you're on the potty. It's a terrible habit. I wish I didn't have it, but don't do it while you're on the potty. And she looked at me just like her finger out like, what are you going to do about it? And I jumped her case pretty good and like took her hand and put it down on her lap and said, don't do that again. Well, that, of course, that upset her. And she, as soon as Krista walked back in, she said, daddy hurt my feelings and, <laughs> you know, all that <laughs> stuff. But I was, like, I was like, I'm doing this out of love. I don't want her to get, you know, this coronavirus or whatever the hell this thing is going around. Because, you know, it's not a good place to put your finger in your mouth. And so you, we're doing the same thing with Brown Petty. John Petty, don't put your finger in your mouth and don't go throw it. <laughs> that, that, was, that was awesome. I hope that Nate Oates listens to this podcast, and I hope when he sits down with Petty at the end of the year to talk about it going pro, I hope he just plays that tape. Because uh, well, you know that's going to be funny. I hope, I hope he doesn't it, screw it up. I hope he's like, John Petty, when you're taking a shit, don't put your finger in your mouth. Oh, wait a minute, don't go pro, I'm in. <laughs> That's exactly. I mean, it would sell him, I'm sure. But anyway, that I'm I'm excited for Petty, and it's cool that that uh, that that you see the Grizzard comp. I thought that was like so far to left field. Everybody think I'm crazy, but no, it's just I root for the kid. I I rooted for him when when he was frustrating me. Now I couldn't be happier that he's playing like he is, and that he's going to get a shot at the NBA. And uh, and I, I'm I'm sure he will. But don't. Don't screw it up by leaving too early. You know, uh, now back to football, 110, 116 kids, uh, juniors, uh, or juniors or redshirt sophomores are coming out for the NFL draft, 116. Math and history tells us that nearly 40, 40 of those kids will not be drafted at all. Even of the 60 or so that are, the 60 to 70 that are, many of them will be drafted well below where they assumed they would go. They will not get guaranteed money. They will be mid-round picks who are very easy to cut. What I'm saying is out of the 110, 120 that go pro, how many of them just ruined 
any chance they had of long, successful NFL careers, a whole bunch of them. Now, some kids famously stayed in school. Maybe uh, maybe people were most like shocked that Travis Etienne stayed in school. I'll just use the most example. He even took shit online from people going, are you a moron? You should come out. You know, you're blowing it uh, and all this stuff that he, because a, a most mocks or a lot of mocks had him in the first round. Uh, most people think junior running back should come out because of their limited shelf life. And he took a lot of crap for it. Maybe he did make a mistake. Maybe he'll come back to school next year and have an injury, you know, and get hurt. Or, or now it's one year less of earning power. Maybe he made a mistake. But here's my thinking, as I have said for years and years and years, Luke, I would tell you, that 50% of the juniors that went pro for the NFL, 50% have made decisions that will ruin any chance they had of a long NFL career, 50%. What is the percentage of kids who could have gone but stayed and by doing so ruined their careers? I would tell you less than 10%. 5%? Even if it's 15%, which it's not. Even if it's 20%, which it's not, that's why more kids should stay. You make the career ruination mistake by leaving. You hardly ever do it by staying. And the NBA, it's worse. The draft is smaller. There's only two rounds. Only 30 guys get guaranteed money. No one else does. The NBA has small rosters. There's not room for everybody. But so many kids come out, and they all end up overseas. Maybe they're happier there than going to school. That's fine if that's what they're choosing to do. But my fear is that a bunch of money-hungry, dumb adults talk them into coming out because, because their kid or their nephew or their neighbor averaged 21 points a game in high school basketball so everybody gets convinced they're NBA stars. And that's why those kids get that advice, because the adults around them ruin it for them. You know, yeah. the NBA is Boy. coming down to, to, like, two types of folks, it looks like, after watching. I watched some of the NBA game flipping back and forth with the Bama game because Zion Williamson made his Zion. debut last night. And Zion Williamson is some kind of – I mean, he's, he's built in a lab. There's no question. I mean – if the umbilical cord had been wrapped around his neck five times, he just would have snapped it off and crawled out of there. I mean, it wouldn't have, he is a grown man. Um, but then you have a lot of guys like him or a guy like uh, James Harden, who is probably a, a more athletic than I give him credit for, but James Harden doesn't look all that athletic. He's just such an amazing scorer that it just doesn't matter. And, he, and a great dribbler. Or you have a guy like Patrick Beverly, Who's, who's a really good athlete, but what Patrick Beverly does just work his ass off all the time. He just, all he wants to do is make your life miserable. He wakes up thinking about who do I guard tonight and how can I make him hate me more than he already hates me? And so I don't know anybody on our team yet, maybe with the exception of Herb Jones, fits any of those traits. That's the thing. And I think that we're seeing growth out of John Petty. And last night, the announcer hit the nail on the head. Um, very few times, but they did on this. They weren't very good last night, but but on this, they were good. They said um, when John Petty gets in a rhythm and he's hitting threes, it sounds different. Like yep. as soon as he was hitting, it was just like, 
it sounded like a um it sounded like a, a three balls of cotton wadded together falling into a, a bowl of thick cream. I mean, it was just so sweet. Um, and, but now, you know, some other, like, Shackleford hits a few threes, and it, and it, like, sort of hits the back of the net and rattles home and, and sort of just goes, you know, and Teddy does it, it's like, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... I, I think he could. I think he should come back for another day. I think the more pressing issue coming up is, of course, Kansas State and the Big Twelve has dropped the ball as badly as any conference can on this thing, where they only suspended two Kansas State guys for a couple of games. They suspended uh, two Kansas guys, and one guy for um, like six games or something. And I'm like. You know, you know what they did, right? I mean, they they had an all-out brawl where there were many of them throwing punches. And frankly, it helps Alabama if Kansas State is more at full strength. But nuts to that! I don't care who you're playing next. They, Kansas State needed more guys suspended, or at the very least, if you want to say you know, for safety reasons, we're gonna we're gonna suspend. I don't know how many Kansas State guys it should be, but I'm gonna say probably five or six, and we're gonna suspend two of them for a couple of games and then the next two for a couple of games and you don't get to choose who they are. The league gets to decide who they are, but we got to send a message, but we don't want you out there playing with five guys because that's kind of a safety concern. I I could buy that, but this bullshit where they only suspend two guys for a couple of games is just crap. I mean, I thought maybe I'm wrong because I'm wrong all the time. And, And please listeners feel free to tweet at me when I'm wrong as hell whether it's an opinion, certainly if I'm wrong about a fact, please correct me because we, we don't need any more ignorance out there, especially if I'm the one spewing it. But I thought there was a rule that said, if you leave the bench in a fight, you get suspended. I thought that was a rule. Am I wrong? If you leave Kick the bench, the- if there's a fight and you leave the bench, you get suspended. But that's, I don't know about the they fight all- part. The, the leave the bench thing is you remember when Alabama played Minnesota a couple of years ago, some, yep. some guys yep. were about to go rush out there to help a teammate. And then they were like, Whoa, 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 we can't leave the bench. Well, they, they just took a couple of steps towards the player and then got back. And they said, okay, you guys got to all go. I mean, it was like everybody yep. met three players. And so we're playing them three on five. I mean, and I'm fine That's with it. that, but th- it wasn't a fight. So these guys should get more than that. That's exactly – I mean, I thought automatically the whole team – they all left the bench. They all did. Every Kansas player, every Kansas – and like you, look, I'm fine with them saying, well, we can't suspend the whole team for the next game because that's a safety cons- – I mean, you know, they shouldn't have – so, like you said, okay, uh, these these four guys are suspended this game, then the next four guys are suspended the next game, the next four guys are suspended the following. That's fine. I don't care. But – Gosh, the, the whole team should have been suspended, both teams. But now that said, I don't want to sound like the Alabama guy who's like, damn, we needed more Kansas State players suspended so we can win the game. Screw that. Put your best players out there. We'll win. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't need any. I don't need any. I bet. I hope that's Nate Oates. That, that, I hope that's Nate Oates' attitude. I bet it is, which is. We don't care. Put your best players out there. I don't care if any of them are suspended. Put put them out there. Hell, hell, bring back your best player from last year, whoever the hell that is. Put him out there too. Uh, 
That's what the attitude are, needs to be. You they're know. already not very good. So exactly. I think they're nets in the eighties. So yeah, and they they have a losing record. Um, and you know, Iowa State hit the skids to an extent. They're going to play Auburn this weekend and lose in Auburn. So yeah, we need Kansas State to be at, at, in a position where they just don't hurt us. Unbelievably, after playing um, after playing Vanderbilt, our our net ranking actually went up. I can't believe it. I just assumed because Vandy's been new to them, our net ranking's going to drop. But it shows what I know. Um, we're running out of time here, so let's let's talk a little bit about football. I saw Dylan Brooks is coming in for a recruiting visit this weekend. That's pretty dead gum big, isn't it, Jimmy? Or are you still with us, Jimmy? Well, I'm going to go ahead and cut this in case Jimmy can't come back. We have lost Jimmy. Jimmy's gone now. Forget Jimmy. Um, and so that's that. Hopefully, if Jimmy does get back onto the podcast here in a second, which it doesn't look like he is. I'm stalling. I'm really stalling here, people. Stay with me. I'm going to continue to stall. I could hum elevator music if that would help. I don't think it will. So I'm just going to stall for another second and continue stalling. And now I'm going to have to stop. So what I was going to say to Jimmy before he unceremoniously left the building was that Dylan Brooks is coming in for a visit this weekend. And I really like this kid a lot. He's kind of from my area. So I'm excited about um, the prospects of having him on campus. He seems like a uh, Anthony Jennings type player, maybe with more upside even, maybe a little bit more speed, certainly more highly decorated. Anthony Jennings was probably a top 200 player, if I remember right, but he wasn't a you know, five-star. So he probably should have been, but he wasn't. Um, so he's coming in this weekend. We're going to have Jimmy back on for our next podcast. Don't know what in the world's happened to Jimmy. We miss Jimmy. Jimmy, prayers up to Jimmy. So that's going to do it for Locked on Bama. Thanks, everybody. Roll Tide.